Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Ahoy and welcome, fellow travellers, to episode 56 of the Thrive Deeper podcast. It's your humble host, DJ Payne, with you. And on this week's exciting episode, action-packed episode, Matthias Jacobus and myself sit down and we go through chapters 16 and 17 in the Gospel of Matthew. But before we do that, we actually pull out a bunch of your questions. That's right, we tell you every week, if you've got questions about your what you're reading, as we go through the Thrive Deeper Daily Reading Guide, we would love to hear from you. And thank you to everyone that does. Well, on this week's episode, we start with the questions. And the questions, oh boy, we go all over the map with the questions, as you'll hear. After a short break, we will then get into Matthew 16 and 17. So it's a, like I said, it's a big one this week. Uh, make sure you uh, get ready. You might have to bring a cut lunch for this one. But after the break, Matthew and I get into your questions here on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. You know, Matt, what I've been enjoying lately is, you know, what we do here as part of the Thrive Deeper podcast is an accompaniment to the daily reading guide, you know, the little books that everybody has with the Thrive Deeper books and going through the Thrive Deeper books, but also, and this might be something that people don't, uh, don't, uh, are not aware of, having all of that and then the bonus of the podcast that we have from the church that we go to where mm. you're the teaching pastor. Mm. So that is the One Hope Baptist Church podcast feed. And there's a Sunday message, mm. you know, what would I say? 70% of the time you're preaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's also like this church application to the thrive. Yeah. It's like it all fits together. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's a really and I'm loving how the jigsaw pieces are overlapping. You know, the puzzles putting together and different applications from the same things that we talk about yeah. here are all are all part of it. So it's been a really it's been a fun journey, and I and I I just realised that we have such a diverse listenership. Some people who are just listening to the podcast, not reading the books. Some people who are just reading the books, they don't hear mm, this. Mm. And then other people who are just listening to the the Sunday podcast mm. through the church and they don't get this as well. Mm. Do you try to keep any and all of that in mind as you prepare your sermons or prepare what you do? Uh, well, I, I, actually, um, I actually find that knowing we're doing this and knowing that we have the Thrive booklets, uh, it frees me up actually in in the preaching that I do on Sundays to not feel like I have to cover everything. Oh, yeah. it, I find it very liberating, so I can I can be much more focused on application um, in those cases because I think okay, people have got lots of other tools to use yes. to work through the books of the Bible because I think it is important to teach through books of the Bible, but there whereas there would have been a time where I would have felt like, okay, I need to do a verse-by-verse exposition, explain it all yes. in that half an hour or so on a Sunday morning. Whereas with all of these other tools, the the Thrive booklets, the Thrive Deeper podcast, yeah. I, I find uh, 
I can take a bit of a three-pronged approach. There's to a it. bit of pressure off your shoulders. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, in the show notes for this, and if you don't speak podcast lingo, the show notes are for every episode that we put out. There's a home on the website for it at thrivetoday.net.au. And depending on how you listen to it, you might be able to see some of the show notes in the app that you're using. The show notes will have links to those three prongs mm. that we're talking about. And hopefully, uh, if you've got the time and you've got the energy and uh, using the word that I coined last week, you're not Jacobied out, you can get <laughs> you can get the whole uh, you know the whole kit and caboodle to there. Now we have got questions. Mm. We've sort of let them pile up for the last few yeah. weeks, and it's time to time to open up and have a look at some questions. So, in this first half of the podcast, Matt, I'm going to throw some questions at you, and let's see where this ends up. We've got our first question from Andy C. He says, oh, guys, I've got a small point. I noticed that in the text of Matthew chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, it gives the impression that Nazareth wasn't necessarily Joseph's original hometown. So this is Joseph, the earthly uh, man who raised Jesus. Uh, any thoughts and clarification on that? Thanks, fellas. Love your work. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, okay. So the point is they come back from Egypt. Joseph is warned, warned in a dream. It says here in verse 22, having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Mm. Uh, so it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Um, he was already from Nazareth. It's that we get that uh, uh, idea, at least in Luke, uh, okay. that Mary was from Nazareth. Uh, we also get the idea too that Joseph was there. So they were already there, but they... Left. They left, went to Bethlehem, then went and lived in Egypt for yeah. three years. They came back to Judea. Um, perhaps they were going to, perhaps they were thinking of going back to Bethlehem. Um, but in any case, they decided to go back to yeah. back to Nazareth. So, um, so it's not, no, it's not the first time he's been in Nazareth. He was already originally Beautiful. from there. His family connection was with, was in Bethlehem. Okay. Uh, though. That's generationally back. Yeah, yeah, generationally yeah. back. Traditionally from the yeah, that area. Okay, fantastic. Let's keep on flying because yep. we've got a few. Shireen, who is a wonderful uh, you know, commentator on our Facebook group, and uh, she's always got a great question. Shireen B says, um, I was really struck in verse 29. She didn't let us know what chapter she was talking about. So here's a big hint for you guys. When you've got a question, give us the actual chapter and the verse yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of verse 29s. Um, uh, when, but it's a, a time where Jesus is talking to, obviously, uh, demonically, uh, you know, possessed people. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Shireen goes on to say, I've never thought about this before. And my understanding is that at some point, one point, demons were angels in heaven. Is that correct? And then if that's true, then are these fallen angels, these demons destined for torture, or will they have the opportunity to redeem themselves and save themselves from the torture? Whew, big question there about, you know, demons and demonology. She's got a follow-up yeah. on there, but I'll let you get into that first. Um, yes. Well, uh, the, the answer to the first question there is that they are um, spirit beings of some angelic, we could say yes. angelic beings, uh, like originally, and that they have they've fallen Yes. Uh, basically, so th that that's the simple answer to yeah. that to that question. Um, 
Uh, have I answered that? Yeah, yeah, no, that, no, that's good. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. her first point but is that's basically right. That's you know, are they answer. are they yeah. fallen angels? Yeah. The, the the word angels uh, question mark are they, are they fallen spiritual beating beings yeah, that were once? Sp- since? Yeah, angels yes. angelos is like messengers. Yes. So, well, are they? Well, they're certainly not messengers from God anymore in yes. their fallen state. No, uh, they're these um, you know demonic uh, demonic beings. So. Um, there, so yes, there is this realm, this spiritual realm. Paul uh, uh, talks about in Ephesians chapter six. You know, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. Yes, and and, and, and most realms. most uh, you know the Christian evangelical worldview, and uh, even you know um, other traditions in Christianity, is that the the demons are the fallen spiritual beings that followed. The rebellion of Lucifer in heaven yeah, that's became right. Satan. Yeah, that's and, right. And somehow they have been confined to this atmosphere, to this world, yeah. to this earth. Yeah, and um, that's yeah, the the, the, narr- the narrative around how all that happened is hazy. Um, and you can get little bits and pieces. I mean, there's allusions to this in, for example, in Ezekiel, and and. Um, there's nothing that's given to us particularly clearly. I mean, the 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 the, the narrative, a lot of the narrative in people's minds has trickled through probably more from John Milton's Paradise Lost, interestingly, yeah. <laughs> where he he sets out to tell the whole story. Oh, let me explain how what happened in yes. between all the lines of yeah. sort of Genesis chapter three. Um, and I think he's probably got a lot to answer for that because a lot of things just that he adds in there that, yeah. that just, you know, like a big battle at some point between the angels and the demons. And it's like, well, no, no. I, you know, I mean, it's so it's fairly hazy, but but we do we do acknowledge that there is this fallen spiritual realm, these fallen spiritual beings. Mm. They're demonic. They, they are in some ways parasitic, like they have this this is parasitic element because mm-hmm. they – they, uh, Satan um, was able, as he says to God in the book of Job, he's able to wander to and throw, to and fro throughout the earth. And this is because um, the f- first human beings, Adam and Eve, who were put in charge of this realm, essentially gave him permission through yes. his temptation. He gained permission. Uh, and as long as we yield to temptation as long as we're separated from God, that state of permission giving mm. is sustained, as it were. Yep. So so this is why he's also the accuser, because he wants to accuse us and keep us in guilt. Yeah. Because as long as we are in a state of sin, then we are part of his rebellion and implicitly giving Satan and his demons permission yes. uh, to even be here. Because otherwise they otherwise they would be just dis- Destroyed and yep. instantly, mm-hmm. but it's only because they're sheltering. Uh, they're shel- God really put us in charge, yes. and so there's this parasitic element to them that yep. they're they're finding shelter. With so us. to get back to Shireen's question again, this is a massive topic that we could spend multiple episodes on, and opening up a lot of different cans of worms here with questions on this. Um, the, her question is: When Jesus, you know, when when they realize that that it's Jesus, and they ask, "Is it is it before our appointed time? Are you going to torture us now before yeah. our appointed time?" So obviously there is there is a awareness mm. in these fallen spiritual beings who Jesus is. Yeah, they are. There's an awareness of what their destiny is, yeah. and their awareness of that yeah. Jesus is going to play a role in that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, judgment is coming. So. Yes. 
I mean, it's interesting that some of the truest things that are said about Jesus in the Gospels are said by are said by demons. One hundred percent. They know yep. who he is exactly. Yeah. You know. And we see that and, with the pattern. Tremble. And we see that in the pattern right at the beginning with Lucifer, with Satan. Sorry, when yeah. Satan takes him out in the wilderness, Satan doesn't mince words. He's quoting scripture yeah. at Jesus back to him. That's right. You know? And so they know. They know. Probably scripture and you know God's word and the law of it all better than we do. Yeah, and so that's this. This is actually important because uh, often we can treat this whole thing like this scary, this scary realm, but this actually tells us that these demonic beings they tremble at the name of Jesus. At even the name of Jesus, they tremble Mm -hmm. at the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for us who are in Christ and wear the mantle of Christ upon our lives. Mm. This is uh, this is the only kind of uh, relationship that that I mean we we it's not a relationship of fear but it's a relationship if we will um, step into this place of faith and in, into Christ then yes. the, the relationship is one of authority over uh, these these beings. So last question that she has there about uh, demons that we have not answered is one that says do they have an opportunity to redeem themselves from the, this future judgment? No. And well, let's leave it there because I agree 100% yeah. with you. The easiest answer there is yeah. no. And and um, we see that, you know, we see the destiny of de- their destiny is, yeah. is, is talked about in yeah. the book of Revelation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Her last, Shireen's last question when it comes to thinking about demons, fallen angels, these spiritual beings, that, uh, you know, since we see that, you know, these demons can demonize someone, we, we don't like to use the phrase demon possession because demons do not possess human beings. If if they're able to demonize them and be able to, you know, use their vocal cords, you know, animate a human being, she said, can we see heavenly angels take up residence in people? Is there spiritual beings from heaven that do the same thing? Can they be angelized, you know, if a demonize is a thing? You know, can that happen? Can there be possession? There? Uh, no, because uh, Satan is in the business of playing God. Yep. And and it's God who, ta- who lives in our hearts and... Mm-hmm. and and here, here is an example of these demonic beings wanting to replace God. Yeah, uh, it's it's the you know behind all of the idols of the Old Testament is this demonic realm. It's it's the counterfeit, you yeah. know, they're, they're counterfeit gods, as it were. I'm going to go back to something you just said because I think yeah. this is important. Yes, and this is the idea of possession. Mm. Now, unfortunately, I think. Uh, and and I have a little bit of a gripe with this translation. Whenever when the Greek word. Um, um, demonize it literally in Greek. It's like it's that yep. demonitz, demonitzo, or de- yes. something like that. Um, it doesn't have the word possession there. No. Whereas that's in a lot of English translations, that's actually added, and yep. it's it's not helpful. It's actually quite misleading. Very. Because possession isn't implied uh, no. there necessarily. It's not. It's not about possession. And theologically, we would say no. It's not possible for demons to possess possess people yeah. really um uh and 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 this because this rates you know i've had people say you know can christians be demon possessed and the whole the whole discussion revolves around the word possession which yeah. is, is isn't even there it's not even in the scripture so i think you're, you're quite right in saying that the best way is to speak of people being demonized which simply means coming under the influence in some way and that can only ever happen if we allow that remember yeah. because uh 
because we are we are in charge, and mm. and Satan only uh, Satan can only have influence over us by tricking us, yes, uh, but through a lie, through some form in which we actually give Satan permission, yeah. and um, uh, so it's not, uh, and 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 so that's more a matter of influence, and as we can see here, yeah. that influence can be enormous, yes, or. It can be your ordinary situations of temptation and so forth. Exactly. And it can be, um, and we have to, one one big ground rule here is that all of this happens and you go, and you mentioned Job before, Matt, all of this happens within the boundaries of what God has deemed yeah. allowable. Yeah, that's this right. Is, this is not like God sitting there going, oh, you know, I, I'm being thwarted again. He's, th- that doesn't happen, especially yeah. in the lives of believers. And the last point there that I wanted to just say to Shireen there about this whole, you know, having a demon demonized and then wondering about with angels and things like that, alarm bells go off here because there is a lot of occult practices about Mm. angels possessing human beings, channeling different people, spiritual beings. Sadly, some of the fringe groups in the church, this is now something that people believe is happening with some sort of spiritual gift or something like that, that somehow an angel can take hold of someone and do something there. This is entirely non-biblical. This is entirely not from Mm. any any biblical source. Not only not from a biblical source, we have 2,000 years of church history and Jewish history, and we all turn around and say, no, 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 this is a bad idea. Yeah, in fact, uh, it's quite probable that the Colossian heresy, what's behind the issue that Paul addresses in Colossians, is quite likely... A, a a kind of a Jewish sect, yes. a kind of heretical Jewish sect, who are involving angels in exactly this yeah. kind of way. It, it's funny how we how there is this just tendency with people to turn to other things. Yes, it's like our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Is, just, it's like that's not enough. So we've got to become preoccupied with angels or saints or or, or these other sorts of. And, and, and we things. see and we see the role of angels. The title of angels is God's messengers. Yeah, we and see. We the, don't deny that there is a role for oh, angels. And yeah. and we and we even know that there is a concept that angels are amongst us ministering to us. God that's uses right. them. But we're not we're not we're not to address our no. relationship isn't with those angels. No. It's like that's that's I think the key thing. Our yes. relationship is with God. Yeah, and when when angels minister to us, it's not like, you know, it's we're not possessed by yeah. them. We're not overtaken from them. They are doing God's will around the, around the world, and it's it's in another realm. It's in another dimension that we don't move in. Yeah, you know. So yeah. oh, that's, there's a lot to. Yeah. We, we seriously, we could spend the rest of the episode on this topic, and I'm, I, I am like biting your tongue. Yeah. I'm biting my tongue. There's a lot. I've got a lot to say on the topic as well. So, Shereen, great question, and uh, I would just want to encourage people if you do want us to talk more about this, if you've got more questions and specific questions that come out of the verses, please let us know. Yeah. Couple more questions here. Uh, we've got Christy B has jumped onto the Facebook uh, group and jumped in there, and she's got a ton of questions. I've just pulled a few that I think are apl- applicable. Uh, again, Christy says, from today's reading, I don't know when that was, Christy, uh, verse 5, she says, is sin related to physical illness? If sickness doesn't come from God, does it come from man or Satan or what? And once again, if you have a reference, because we don't always read them when yeah. you're putting it out on that day, just give us the chapter and the verse. It does help. We think, Matt, that this is coming from... Uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, where uh, Jesus... To the paralyzed man, says to him, "Your sins are forgiven." Okay, um, and that may 
um, that seems to indicate a connection between physical illness and uh, and sin. Now, uh, theologically, in a broad perspective, there is that relationship, of yeah. course. Um, be- and that's because of the fall. That's because of the fall. Yeah. That's right. So in a general sense, the fall of mankind, uh, it, it took us to a position of mortality and vulnerability. And in a sense, we lost a large element of our thor- authority over mm. uh, over creation and and. Um, so, so there is there is that um, there is that connection, and that, in a way, is what Jesus deals with here yes. when he comes to someone who's sick. In a sense, he's saying, "I'm going to solve your biggest problem. I'm actually here to solve your biggest problem." Yeah. And it's not the physical. And it's illness. not the physical yeah. illness. Uh, and and I so I think I think this in Matthew chapter nine when the man is brought to him and he says, "Your sins are forgiven," um, he's setting the agenda. And this is an this is an important thing because we might go to God with this and that prayer, and we want you to do this and we want you to do that. Well, but we've got to be prepared for Jesus to do what He wants to do, mm. and to set the priority for what is most important yeah. uh, in our lives. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Well, and as I said, there is that connection, um, and and th- there there was a sort of school of thought around this time that put in some rabbinic traditions that put sickness and death. Okay, so. You're sick. Someone must have sinned. Yes, um, we, and we, the yeah. disciples straight yeah. up said, said say that, and not yeah, in this yeah, passage. Yeah, who sinned? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, I think it was the blind man who sinned. Yeah, it, someone must have sinned. Was it, it his parents? And Jesus says, no, no. It's not that. You know, it doesn't work like. And actually, uh, well, it doesn't work like that because uh, for a start, you know, the Book of Job, you have uh, these um, unwise counselors who say to Job. Oh, well, if you're suffering the sickness, you must have done something yeah. wrong. Yeah. It's the, the, the age-old question. Yeah, and, and the book is saying basically saying no, that's not uh, yeah. that's not the case. So, yeah. um, so that, that so yes, there is that general connection. But Jesus is, I think, I don't think we should say, you know, if when anything goes wrong, oh, it's because I've sinned. Yes, that I think that would be a very spurious connection. Yeah, and to and to uh, answer that second part of the question there, um, you know. Sickness doesn't come from God, doesn't come from man, doesn't come from Satan. Sickness just is a predicament of the world of that we live in. Of the fallen world, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just the fallen world. And again, I, I said the same thing when that question of demons, and I think this is going to be a theme in some of these questions. None of this happens outside of God's watch. Yeah. Again, this is not outside of God's authority, God's you know awareness of what is going on. And Jesus pretty much said as much in, in the, into the case that we just said where the disciples asked, what about this man? Mm. Where did the sickness come from? Jesus basically said it's part of God's plan. Yeah, you know this is yeah, all yeah, this yeah. is all for God's glory. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, yeah. and and that's the same for us. That's not saying that God put His finger on the man and made him sick. That's right. Yeah, He, he works through it. He yeah. works through it. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Second part of Christie, part two of Christie's question of many that she asks. Um, she says, I don't understand either of how these relate to the disciples not fasting. Now, she's talking here about the time where people came and said, look, John the Baptist disciples fast, the Pharisees fast, but Jesus, your disciples do not fast. And he gives a few different illustrations. And she says, why is there no need to fast? And is it an Old Testament thing? Um, well, no, it's not an Old Testament thing. It's a it's a physical expression of of one's longing, a prayer. It's yeah. fasting is saying uh, it's 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 to focus one's desires on this one thing, yeah. you know. Uh, and 
um, the problem is is that it 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 became a ritual yeah. uh, for in sort of invoking God when it was supposed to be an, an expression it, be- it becomes a ritual and so there's some problems there now remember this this is actually isn't the Pharisees that approached Jesus with this okay. question the question is it says then John's disciples yes. came asking him how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often but your disciples do not fast and Jesus answer is that I mean they they fasted because they were they were praying for God's to send his Messiah, his Savior. And he's saying, but he's come. Yeah. That's why. No need to fast. Yeah, not need to, you don't need to fast. You just now need to actually listen to me and engage with what I'm doing. So, um, so but he then goes on to say, but there will be a time uh, to fast um, uh, elsewhere. Um, there we go. The time will come when the bridegroom will take away, and then they will fast because then we're longing for his yeah his second coming. So there is a place for there is a place for fasting. I look. I um. Uh, I reckon there are different forms of fasting. If we, I mean, again, we could spend a whole episode on this. Yeah. I reckon the the most for me the most important form of fasting that has been literally life changing is media fasting. Oof. Media fasting. You've, you've gone from you've gone from helping people to now meddling in their lives, Matt. <laughs> people yeah. are feeling convicted all over yeah. the place. Yeah, try. You know, I've said to you know because because I there were points in my life where I thought because it's about preoccupation. It's like I'm preoccupied with all of this. I'm so overstimulated by all this entertainment media, and you know, I, I got to a point where I said during the week I'm I'm media fasting, hmm. and and it just was a wonderful. And change of life. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Let 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 the spirit of God dictate to you what it is to yeah, fast, yeah, right. fast with, yeah. whether it's food, whether it's this, what it's whatever. But please don't think of it as a hunger strike. You know, yeah. some people think of yeah. it like you're saying the ritual thing, and people go, "Well, it's not a ritual. I just want to show God that I'm really serious about this, and this is really yeah. important to me." Well, no, the, you know, that that's basically trying to put God over a barrel and you having your way. Like God yeah. is some sort of, somehow. And again, it's getting back to that theme that God is that God has got the ultimate authority here. He can do what He wants. You going on a fast is for you. It's it's yeah. about your exactly said your preoccupation. If I always say this to someone who a new new Christian who's got who have questions about fasting when they come across it, I'll I'll often say to them, especially if they're a parent or they've got a loved one or someone that they really really care for, have you ever had a loved one who's been really really sick, almost to the point of death? Mm. What do you think about? And they're like, well, <laughs> one thing. All the only thing that's going yeah, in your yeah. mind is my sick child, my sick friend, my sick thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just a constant yeah. thing. Fasting from something that occupies you in your life is a way to almost kickstart that sort yeah. of your, your yeah. brain response. Mm. That you want this relationship with God, this communication to mm. God to be ever front in your mind. Mm. And it's a way to sort of bring that on. Fasting, whether it's from food or media or something for a short period of time, is... For you to have that in your in your mind when you would usually be thinking about something yeah, else. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's so good. La- la- yep. last question, last question from Christy B here, and Christy, I know you had a lot more. We'll try to get to them over on the Facebook group, but uh, her last question is about the Beatitudes. Someone has told Christy, and you know about the Beatitudes, Jesus teaching at this point that these are not relevant anymore. They're irrelevant, and even they could be taken out of the Bible for us today. Um, that this this type of preaching is not for today in the age that we're in. Um, she's got a lot of questions there about the kingdom. I think I know where she's coming from. Do you have any comment on this? 
That is the most <laughs> preposterous. It's a good question, by yes. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where, wherever that teaching is coming from is entirely preposterous. I, I, this idea that, oh, this doesn't apply to us. Uh, the, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is is for is like for the Jewish people, yes. or and and I, I just find that uh, I, I find that bewildering. Yeah, I just find it <laughs> bewildering. <laughs> you, you you had it. Where, where does this? Well, look, I think I I've grew up in um, very conservative Baptist, almost a Southern Baptist tradition, and some of that is. Uh, very dispensationalist, and it's an ongoing for mm. people who've listened to our podcast for a long time. <laughs> if, you've, if you've got a bingo card, you can tick off the dispensationalist <laughs> chat because it comes up every now and then. Look, dispensationalism is basically comes out of a good desire for people to be able to look at how God deals with man in the history of the Bible and the history of the world and acknowledge that God deals with mankind at different ways. Sorry, at different times in different ways, he expects you know men, men, you know men of this period to respond to God in this way, but we in this period don't respond to God in that way. I.e., you know, uh, sacrificing. You know, we we are not as Christians, we're not expected <coughs> because we live in a different dispensation yeah. of time. Okay, now that I I sort of believe that there is a a, a gradual obvious dispensation as we read through the scripture. We're not going to argue that God does exactly the same thing mm. in every period of time. Where it gets troubling, <laughs> and this is where it gets troubling, is that tendency that we have to put a chart on the wall to mm. mark down dates and say, God, we are now limiting God because he cannot do this in this period of time or he will not do this in this period of time. Some of the hyper dispensationalists would go as far as to say that Jesus's preaching at certain times are for Jewish people and not for us as the kingdom of God, not for us as the church, yeah. the church dispensation that we are in. And, and it's based. This is based on the idea that God deals differently with the Jewish people than yes. He does with with the. And, with and, and overall, there are some elements of truth to that. But when you start saying that the Beatitudes mm. are not for us today, you go, hang on, I think we've gone. Because <clears throat> the whole ministry of Paul negates that. Paul is constantly bringing us all into one group yeah. and building on the teaching. And may I say, constantly pointing out that his message of grace mm. was he's constantly going back to the Old Testament mm. to say this is always the way it's been. Yes. So he doesn't change... He doesn't say, oh, that's the way God worked back in that dispensation. Now in this dispensation, we're changing to this. Yeah. Or that, you know, God dealt with this people this way, but now he's dealing with it. It's, he's actually wanting to show that, yes, certain things, certain symbols and certain rituals Change. had a yeah. function time. for a time. That's yeah. got, and so, so in that sense, that's, uh, that, that's true. Mm. But the, uh, the basic gospel of grace... God extending grace through Jesus' sacrifice, which Old Testament people looked forward to through yeah. the sacrificial system in the temple. We look back uh, to um, that. You know, God is a God of grace who has dealt graciously with people from the time He called Abraham. Yeah. You know, so so I I I, I do have a big problem with that with with that sort of dispensational idea because I think it puts an, a simplistic kind of overlay over oh. the over the scripture that divides it up yes. into different things and God deals with this people that way and that people that way. Mm. Uh, I just think that's completely, completely counter uh, to scripture. Yeah. Um, 
and and but it gets really problematic when we um, when we start looking at bits of scripture and saying it's like you know the sheep and the goats. Mm. It's like oh no no, but that's for the Jewish people during the I think it's the theory is yeah. dr- during Tri- some future yeah, after during the, the tribulation, tribulation or after like, the tribulation. Oh, you, oh it's like oh phew oh great that way because gee I'm glad because that was really convicting me. <laughs> Um, you know, because, you know, Jesus gives that not as a means by which we can be saved, yeah. but as a way of examining our yes. faith, you know. Yes. And so, you know, I look at, you know, like if I believe that, then I look at that and say, oh, phew, okay, I don't need to, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I just, um, I just think that um, that way of dividing up scripture is just far too uh, artificial. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with so, you. So the Beatitudes Sermon on the Mount yeah, is, is for all of us. So, look, if you want to dip your toe in dispensationalism, beware. The last thing you want to do is be chucking out something <laughs> as beautiful and precious yeah, to right. us as Christians yeah. as the Sermon on the Mount. That's My right. goodness, yeah, yeah. it's more applicable to us than any yeah, yeah, than any right. any time before. It's amazing. Um, and you know, just wrapping it up there in a bow. Like, remember that all Scripture is given to us. Yeah. You know, for the for the encouragement, for the building up of the Thank church you. and stuff like that. Thank you. That, all Scripture. All Scripture. Yeah. All Scripture. Even the hard to understand bits, like yeah. you know that Peter says of Paul yeah. and everything else. It's all there. Okay, there's our questions done for this episode. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And Matt, we've got to fly through chapters 16 Mm. and 17 of the Gospel of Matthew here on Thrive Deeper. back with Thrive Deeper, episode 56, and uh, we've gone through the questions. Now we are getting back into our regular study here. Matthew 16 and 17 is what we have read in this past week. There's a lot to cover here, Matt. I'm saying that this is a huge turning point. These two chapters mm. are a huge turning point in uh, in this uh, Matthew narrative here. Um, you know, basically, you know, Jesus withdraws himself completely to everything yeah. else that's going on around him. And then he does some pretty huge claims and not just huge claims. Mm. He shows himself to what he really mm. is yeah. to his disciples. And they finally, finally begin to get a little glimpse about what's actually happening. Yeah. Well, they, uh, they, they do, they do and they, they don't. I mean, um, uh, Chapter 16, of course, begins with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, and if I can explain that, the Pharisees are the sort of pious, non-official, uh, they don't have a really an official kind of position. The yes. Sadducees are the priestly group. Yes. Um, the Sadducees would be your more... Uh, they're in charge of the temple. They're the powers that be. They're the, that, they, they are the really the ruling class. Yeah, in that the ru- sense. yeah, very yeah, These very classes. These guys are also the liberals, if we can put it that way. They're mm-hmm. um, that they are 
they don't believe in a bodily it's, it's resurrection. It's all about the ritual, and yes. it's the rituals, and but a lot of the, you know, they only they only um, recognize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, whereas mm. the, you know the Pharisees have a. Uh, are, 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 I think, on better ground there. Anyway, that's just yeah. to explain who they are. The Pharisees are the fundamentalists who yeah, are r- yeah. right into the every jot and yeah. tittle. They are, the, you know, yeah. passionate about that's the right. everyday yeah. man, right. whereas, you know. Yeah. So they come to Jesus and they test him. They ask uh, him to show them a sign. And um, this is where, I mean, again, throughout this, we're getting this, it's ramping up this um, conflict between Jesus and the powers that be. Um, now, uh, so it's interesting to note how on the one hand, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are not willing to accept this, but then it appears that even though it's been made play to them, but then it appears also that the disciples even are struggling with this. Now, the, the well-known bit here, uh, part of Matthew 16 is mm. Peter's confession mm. of Christ. Uh, it says here in 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Um, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so he says, then Jesus says, uh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I can tell you that you are Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And he talks about giving him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So this is so he's recognized that he's the Messiah. Mm. Interestingly, this is being declared where he's standing in Caesarea Philippi. Mm. They're surrounded by pagan temples. It's mm. pagan central uh, right there uh, on a big rocky um outcrop with a big rocky cliff you know so the whole rock kind of thing is and and so gee, it, th- this is being declared you know in the face of all of that yes uh, all of that idolatry um but then uh jesus goes on to explain uh, it says here from that time on jesus go uh, began to explain to his disciples that he must go to jerusalem suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and so forth, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It says here, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, the Lord, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. So here, here, so yes, Peter is recognized that he is the Messiah. This is a, you know, it is a wonderful moment. Jesus yeah. recognized that, yes, this has been revealed to you by God. Mm. But then it says here in verse 23 that Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Mm. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I think that's very telling. It's like, yes, Peter, you're right. You recognize that I am the Messiah, but you're wanting me to do the things that you want me to do. Yeah. You you are focused on human concerns. And that, of course, is to establish a political kingdom of Israel mm. uh, and to uh, you know establish independence from the Romans through uh, a sudden revolution this is yep. what they wanted well no he's that's not going to happen so i mean peter's struggling with this because because they think and and i and i think this is the same with all the disciples you know <clears throat> we can perhaps be a little enamored with them for leaving everything and following jesus but they're expecting him to be the king right yeah. Yeah. So th- this is an absolute gravy train. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> this is they're onto a good thing here, you know. Yeah. So it's not complete. I mean, yes, you know, of course, th- there's an element of faith to that. But let's not give them m- more credit than actually the gospels give them. Yeah, because we do see the gospels make it very clear. We get the brothers 
and bringing their yeah. mum involved to argue about who's going to sit on the what side of him. and Because yeah. yeah. they're, they're thinking purely yeah. earthly that's right. kingdom, yeah, dominion that's right. about everything around them. We're going to be they're in the not court. Getting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So throughout the Gospels, and, and the gospel, makers, gospel writers make this clear, they're just not really getting this. Mm. And, and so when Jesus talks about the, the way that the kingdom is going to advance, and that is going to be through love, grace, and self-sacrifice. And Jesus, and when Jesus, and that's going to begin with Jesus' sacrifice for the sins of the world. When he talks about that, they just cannot, they cannot fathom how that fits into the plan. And so um, uh, this is where, um, this is where Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you you have to deny yourself, take up your cross Mm -hmm. and follow me. This is a difficult moment, right? Because they've followed Jesus all this way. They think, they're thinking there's a lot in it for them. Yeah, uh, that that's clear that they that they think that from a number of places, but now Jesus is saying to me, "If you want to follow me, it's you're going to have to take up your cross too. It's not mm. just me. Yeah. This is the way that the kingdom is going to come. It's it must have been a shock to the system, and I think the next thing that happens yeah. is is uh, put the it, it happens to actually show them what sort of kingdom this is. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's not it's not the political uh, kingdom, military kingdom. This is a heavenly kingdom. And yes. so uh, in the beginning of 17, it says after six days, and, and I think this is purposefully, this is why Matthew puts this uh, here. Mm. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and they led him up to a high mountain by themselves. Um, and there he was trans- transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Mm. Okay, So straight away he is manifesting. This is the sort of Messiah that I am. Mm. I, I am this heavenly king. The kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. So leave that leave that earthly kingdom behind. Yeah. Even here, though, you can see Peter struggling with this because, oh. oh, let's build shelters. He said, Lord, let's build shelters. For, for the, it's No, Peter. It's, you're not, still not getting you're it. Still, like, get the message. This is a heavenly. Now, is, eventually Peter uh, certainly gets the message and he, he becomes a leading uh, leading preacher of the gospel, as we see that in Acts, uh, but, I, but I right love, now he's not getting. I it love yet. the notes. There's so much. There's so much in these two chapters about Jesus's disciples, Jesus's friends, not getting it. You know, like it, yeah. this is the culmination of it, and and it's almost like I mean, Matt, you've used the you've used the um, the point before, and Jesus, you know, in, in talking about Jesus's parables about the wheat. And the weeds um, that the when the light shines brightness brighter the darkness like the, the contrast darker the shadows yeah yeah the contrast brighter the light darker the and shadows. this is what's happening I see in sixteen and seventeen it's becoming more dramatic yeah. more polarized everything yeah, is getting right. turned up from the Pharisees demanding a sign to Jesus saying no. Yeah. Jesus, you know, uh, and the disciples, again, love the disciples. But this is why I, yet another proof, I think, why the Gospels are so authentic because yeah. it's not painting them yeah, in a positive right. yeah. light at all. I love the fact that in 16 we see after that exchange with the Pharisees and Jesus is done with them. Yeah. You can see Jesus just absolutely done. He says to them, beware of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees yeah, yeah, that's and the right. teachers there. And the Pharisees start going, oh, we forgot bread. 
Who, who forgot the loaf the of bread? Disciples, yeah, Sorry, yeah, the disciples. Sorry, yeah, the disciples. The disciples are like, we forgot the bread. And they start going back and forth. Oh, we forgot the bread this time and that time. And they're remembering yeah. And just the before times. that, he'd fed 4,000 people. Yeah. Oh, we forgot uh, the bread again. Yeah. And like, you can hear them going, oh, no, he's meaning he's talking about the bread. And like, they're totally not getting it. And Jesus just said, you can hear Jesus sighing, yeah. saying, no, no. Mm. Remember, I can do anything. Yeah. I've fed these people. They're not like he's trying to show them exactly like what he culminates here in the beginning of seventeen. Yeah, this is a heavenly kingdom. Yeah. I'm beyond this realm, buddies. Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. I'm talking about, and they finally yeah. start getting it slowly but slowly. And, and the polarization process is important here because uh, it, you're right; it becomes more and more polarized as as the as the gospel goes oh. on, and and. That's that's and so it's becoming more of a struggle for the disciples, right? Because mm. it's coming increasingly clear, and and the the thing is they've got to make a choice. Where mm. are we going to sit? You yeah. know, because there's this polarization between the idea of an earthly Messiah, of the yeah. earthly kingdom, the expectations of people, and fr, you know that's polarized from what Jesus is doing in the heavenly kingdom that we see yeah. in tr- the Transfiguration in chapter seventeen, and. Uh, as we move towards the end of the gospel, it's going to. Uh, what becomes all important is what people choose. So, at at the in that moment when Pilate brings out Barabbas and Jesus, mm. there's the people making a choice. Mm. Barabbas is this rev, would have been a revolutionary, mm-hmm. uh, uh, revolutionary brigand. You know what I mean? So it's they choose Barabbas. We choose that. It's this moment of choice that Matthew highlights. Now. Uh, Judas makes a choice. He falls on the wrong side. He 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 chooses, um, he you know he he chooses to go with the darkness rather than light. He chooses. He wants to push Jesus into being the political king and yeah. and uh, but the other disciples they come around. Mm. I mean, right at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. It takes them ages, but that's okay. They come around. They make yeah. the choice. And uh, so this yeah this polarization theme is really important. And it just before chapter at the right at the end of chapter sixteen, mm. um, when he talks about he corrects um, Peter and he talks about uh, he says here talks about taking up their cross and he says in verse twenty seven for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what he has, he, he, they have done. Truly I tell you some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm. Okay. And then what's the very next thing that happens? The transfiguration. Yeah. So in other words, he's saying you are going to see the kingdom of God. Mm. and For what it really is. Yeah, and the some who are standing here are Peter, James, and John. Mm. Mm. And they, they see the heavenly nature uh, of the kingdom there in the transfiguration. Mm. Mm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, one last night on the transfiguration, such a such a – brain melting experience for these three of Jesus's very best friends yeah. here being part of it. Mm. I love the fact that Peter just can't shut up. He has to jump in and and it even makes a point that while he is still speaking, yeah. we're going to do this and we'll do this. God himself interrupts yeah. him. God <laughs> interrupts him and says, right. Yeah, bang. Like, and Peter and Peter and them just, you know, melt in, in, in yeah. uh, realizing what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, comes over and again, brings them back into it, leads them in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- they come down and then there's all the questions about Elijah and everything else like yeah. that. They they have all these, because they're beginning to get 
that it's a lot bigger than just yeah, this guy yeah, that's, that, right, you know, yeah. the guy It's right starting to dawn, and this is a big change of paradigm. So it's not going to, it's completely consistent with everything that's written in the Old Testament, but it's not the paradigm that they came to. It's in a sense, to go back uh, a couple of chapters, it, it's the old wineskins. You know, when Jesus speaks about the wineskin thing, mm. he's talking about the fact that you are, it's, he's talking about their old, th- that paradigm. Um, uh, and... Uh, it, it's, it was never really the right paradigm. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, so they, they're going to need to adopt a completely new way of thinking. And gradually uh, you can see this happening, but they're going to struggle with it the whole way. We want to wrap this up. We're running out of time for the episode. Yeah. In, verse, in chapter 17, we have the story of the young uh, epileptic boy who, who has, uh, you know, who's being demonized. Yeah. And um, it's a very interesting one on so many different levels, yeah. almost wrapping up a lot of the different things that we've been talking mm-hmm. over, talking mm-hmm. about over the last few episodes. A, you know, the the the, mm-hmm. the point is that they have been bringing this epileptic child to the disciples. They've had no luck. They bring it. They bring him to Jesus, and Jesus' response is, "You can hear the world weariness in him. You can yeah. hear his soul crying out, just like." Oh man, faithless yeah, people! Unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring yeah. the boy to me. Yeah, just okay. Bring him here. Bring him here. And the, and the, you could. I, I. This is where I feel sorry for the disciples. Yeah. Because they're thinking, gee, you've been a bit hard on us. Like this is a serious. What? It's yeah. like the same thing in the boat. Yes. You know, like there's a there's a storm, and and he says, what what's what? wrong with you? Well, there's a storm. We could drown and die. <laughs> yeah, isn't it natural? But he's he's expecting, uh, he's expecting more of them, and yeah. it, what what he's expecting is faith, and uh, that it says here in verse 19 of chapter 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, "Why couldn't we drive it out?" Talking about the demon, he replied, "Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you that you have faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain." Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And that's t- there's a lot of threads that we've been chasing down over the yeah. last, you know, in this book. Of the, the, it's the, the, these are the verses that that I sit in front of, and I think there's a universe there that that I I it, it's like there's something here. I mean, I've said in a previous episode, I don't want to just like I don't want to make myself in the face of this. I I, I don't want to give myself an explanation. Of this that makes me think that I've already got this all together. No, like I want this to let this challenge me. It's like, what is he talking about? Yeah, what does it look like to walk in greater faith? Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it. I don't think it necessarily looks like the walking magic show. Yeah, um, but it 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 looks different. I believe. To where I'm at now, <laughs> so I just yeah. I, like I need to like I need to step further into this, and so there's a sense of mystery that I want to hold on to in these in these verses. Uh, you know, faith the size of a mustard seed, and you can say to this mountain, Go "Throw yourself into the sea, yeah. and and, it, and 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 it'll happen." And I, I you know, like I'm I, I'm I'm wary of explaining this away or uh, try to say, "Oh, he's just talking about." Yeah. Well, uh, no, he's challenging us. He's challenging us to greater faith. Not like faith is some magic power or something. Yeah. Uh, 
faith is our connection with God. It's mm. the strength of our connection with God. A faith is essentially letting God be God. It's it's um, uh, it's it's us being His children and God being God. Is this state of faith? Mm. And in the greater that state of faith, somehow the more um, the more becomes possible. And yeah. I think that's a wonderful. It's it's a wonderful open invitation that I'm moving into little step by little step. It's it's uh, yeah. It, 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 it exactly like you said, man. I, I've got nothing more to echo on that other than it's challenging and scary. Yeah. You know that this idea of faith, especially in the picture of Jesus. You know, in in the in the context. You know, Jesus is talking about. Follow me with your cross. Yeah. Die to yourself. I'm about to die. Yeah. You know, and that's part of this faith yeah, journey. That's right. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not like you say. It's not a circus. It's not a magic show. It's not wild bells and yeah. you know, and, and and some sort of race for you know bigger acclaim. It's it's really, really, really hard. And then we get the last picture we get in in chapter 17. This last little interchange is about the tax. Mm. And you know it's and it's almost like another yet another picture about faith. Yeah. What what God is able to provide for yeah, us. Yeah, that's there. right. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, and, and similar to the feeding of the five thousand and um, and uh, and here, um, you know, it says here that Peter came into the house. Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. Because the um, the question has been asked about doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Look, the point here is that, in one sense, Jesus thinks that it should be a voluntary thing. Mm. Um, so, so that's one part of this. But uh, that's why he says, what do you think, Simon, he asked, from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own children or from others? And from others, Peter explained. The children are exempt, Jesus said to them. So in other words, he's saying um, God doesn't t- tax us. Uh, we need to move away from this paradigm that says that we've got to pay our dues and we somehow earn something from God by uh, by by doing that. Um, uh, he, he wants to point to something that's more, you know, voluntary. Mm. Of, you know, um, volu- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Volu- Voluntary? No. Uh- Voluntary. That's right. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, yep. Um, so and then and then he does this bizarre thing where it says go. Catch a fish, and you'll find a two drachma coin in its mouth. It doesn't actually say. It doesn't actually say where uh, whether it happened. It just says take it and give it them from my taxes. You assume, of course, it, it would have. Mm. Um, but what a bizarre thing! Go catch a fish, mm. and in its mouth you'll find a two drachma. You could pay that from me. Mm. This is how he. This is because Jesus is demonstrating. He's demonstrating what it looks like. What this connection with God looks like. This total trust in God's providence. It's demonstrating this. Uh, God will provide. No, I'm not even worried about it. I'm going to I'm going to demonstrate this in the most bizarre way. Go catch a fish, and in its mouth you'll find a coin. Pay my tax out of that. And it, it, it's also rich because even questioning about the law and the tradition and everything yeah. like that. In the end, Jesus says, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'll fulfill it. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm not I'm not back yeah, in the yeah. system in yeah. one, in, in this yeah. sense." But God will provide. Yeah, yeah that's right. God will provide. Yeah. Yeah, let's go do this. Yeah, and and yet and yet again, 
it highlights the different ways of doing things in these two kingdoms. You know, in one kingdom, you know, you take things, and it's 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 uh, a kingdom where uh, you you get taxed, and you it, it's it's like Saul and David. You know, the two types of king. It's almost that all over again. And and what it's like the people have chosen Saul again rather than David, and um, and so you know Jesus is making this distinction here in this last bit. You know, like it's like the kings of the earth; they're, they're treating God like like the kings of kings of the earth. This isn't a Saul kind of kingdom. This is a David kind of kingdom, and um, and so this again demonstrates this is a different way of functioning in this kingdom. This is where we walk by faith. And, and it's through our faith that we defeat the enemy, a spiritual enemy. You just, things are becoming more and more polarized uh, as Jesus goes on and he's drawing attention to the spiritual nature of the kingdom and how we are to walk with God in that. a world record that uh, final half of the podcast getting through the gospel of Matthew chapters 16 and 17 in that last half oh boy we were flying through that and uh, I just need to say yet again thank you so much to everybody for sending in their questions if you have questions about anything that we've talked about or uh, other stuff that you'd love us to talk about we'd love to hear from you easiest way to do it head over to the thrive today website that's thrivetoday.net.au there's some great stuff happening over there but you will find up on the top there to contact us and the messages messages that you send come straight through to us as i said at the very beginning of this week's episode if you can remember all the way back there i'll put the links to what we were talking about and that is the other um you know the the sermons that matthew preaches at our church uh, at One Hope Baptist Church. Uh, links to the other stuff that we do will be in the show notes for this episode. So uh, once again, I just need to say a massive thank you to everybody for downloading and sharing this. Do us a favor, share this podcast. If you love what we do, share it with your friends, share it with the family. That goes a long way in uh, getting the word out about what we do. Well, it's been a long one. I need you to I need to get out of your ears now and let you relax. DJ here and on behalf of the whole gang, we'll see you next week on Thrive Deeper. Bye. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us, the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive.